HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And in the studio today, it's about damn time I got this guy in here. Um, <laughs> known him for years, and he's a great guy. And he's the bar director at Dinostia, uh, amongst being uh, uh, an amazing all-around bar man. Welcome to the show, Will Pete. Hey, thank you very much, Damon. Yeah, it's a, it's about damn time that I got in here. Um, and how it never has happened before, I don't know. It's, but It's shocking. Guess what? We're here now. So uh, let's let's hang out. What are we talking about today? Man, you know, I mean, tell us about Dinostia because we, since you haven't been on the show before, I'd love to, I'd love to like hear about the actual like details of of the uh, the birth and, and the life of that place. Awesome. Um, yeah, Dinostia is is the first is the original the, the first um, Basque style taverna, Pinchos Taverna, Pinchos Conservas, like very extremely authentic. The first one in the United States. Uh, we dropped it on Tenth Street and Avenue B in the East Village. Uh, we opened November 22nd, 2013, uh, myself and a couple friends of mine um, who have a lot of heritage in, in the region, and um, that's, that was kind of their shtick. But uh, what we're doing is we're importing tons of super high-quality conservas and trying to be as authentic as possible to the region of San Sebastian. And like Denostia actually means San Sebastian in the, in the local dialect, the local language of Busqueda. Um, my beverage program is focusing very, very heavily on sherry, vermouth, cider, craft Spanish beers, and uh, we have a, a really sick wine list as well. But when it comes down to, to what we're looking at, it's all about the sherry and vermouth. Um, We've got about 45 by the glass right now floating wow. around, Good good dozen vermouths. And uh, a, a whole cocktail menu that was designed around the low proof, um, low proof offerings. All of the the vermouth and sherry cocktails that you can get your hands around. That's awesome. Yeah. I love sherry so much, man. Um, that's and it's really great. Like, yeah, even before the show, we were just talking about how, and I know we've talked about this in the past too. Like, just uh, hanging out, you know, talking about how we really like sherry and vermouth, and how it's it's like. It's starting to like it's starting to find its place mm. in the way that we drink in America. It's 
we also live in a tiny bubble. <laughs> so, I, I know, to us, yeah. I guess it's starting. But uh, hopefully we can spread the gospel on that. And like, and So, I, you were, tell me about the, the reason why you like the, the Loy BV drinks. Well, I mean... Um, I mean, if you've ever... Because I know, I know why I do. <laughs> I know why I do, too. Uh, if you've ever hung around me for more than a couple minutes, you know that, I mean, there's always a glass to be had, cheersing, hanging out with your friends. Like, the the bar industry, especially what we're doing for a living, especially in the city, is so social, so convivial. Um, it's... The low AVV thing really helps keep that going. For me, I mean, the three martini lunch should die, and this is coming... This is weird, considering I had just had one the other day with a few friends <laughs> over at a weird steakhouse, but, you know, I'm getting old. We're getting old. Like, we can't <laughs> drill down Rittenhouse anymore, you know, the yeah, way we I, used to while we're working. Like, you know, if there's always... If there's a, a really huge drinking culture, um, we need to we need to keep it going. It's not a sustainable model to, to, to wreck your liver and right. to forget the night you had, you know, if, you know, you want, I want to hang out with my fiance or your girlfriend or like everyone's going on a double date. It's like, I want to, that's a great time. That's a time to celebrate that we're yeah. enjoying each other's friendship. Like why get to the point where it doesn't become fun anymore? Yeah. I mean, you like, know? especially, you know, we've talked about this in the past on the show about how, you know, our, basically it's, it's due to our Puritan society and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there's still like a shadow of, of prohibition on us, you know, that really kind of kind of shames you mm-hmm. uh, if you're you're drinking throughout the day you know but but i mean if you're having like if you're doing it responsibly and you're pairing it with not just like the food but the moment exactly yeah absolutely i think it's it's completely fine well and, and it also allows you to hang out into the night into the night and and make it really nice um a little bit of, i don't know a little bit of possibly a sacrilegious thing for me to say considering where i was born how i grew up the whole thing um i think americans are stupid when it comes to <laughs> eating and drinking in this country um the whole app entree dessert cocktail wine after dinner drink and then it's just over it's like it's an event you know it's a thing that you plan for and it's a thing that sometimes brings anxiety you know when for instance in spain like the model for the bar that we have is modeled after all those joints where you come and you go and you sit for hours and everything is like it's small beers and it's vermouth and it's tons of sherry and it's it's all things that are giving you the ability to keep going and to like meet your friends or like oh they're at the next bar oh you know what let's just settle up and like go down there it's like yeah but if you get on the plan that most bartenders and most industry folk and most people who don't exactly understand what drinking has to be a part of the situation. You know what I mean? Like, you know, drinking is sometimes a conduit for, for the party. Sometimes Mm. it's just an accessory to the party. Sometimes it's an obligation to the situation, which is not a great thing. But you know, if you were to bar hop, bar hop, bar hop the way we do and like knock down a shot every time you wouldn't make it past three or four, but this way, you know, you're able to, to stretch, stretch it out. You know, I think that you know, with the sherry reemergence and with the low ABV stuff, like there are tons of menus across the city right now that are that are focusing on that. that not only just mine, um, it's a way to change the conversation about how we do this here in this country. And yeah. if we're starting in the biggest metropolitan city with the with the strongest programs, uh, that everyone else is going to look at us. Sure. And I think changing the conversation, to, uh, beginning changing the conversation, is actually lengthening the conversation. You have to be able to go through and still you know, have a great time and still 
function the next day in a way. You know, lengthening the conversation is, is the first step. And the first step with that is dropping the proof, being able to have sessionable cocktails. Um, my list over at Denostia, I mean, I have one of every category represented, you know, sparkling, highball, sour, flip, tiki drinks, third and boozy, classics, non-alcoholics. Every category of cocktailing is represented, but nothing hits above 20 ABV. Oh, wow. You know, so a guest can come in and, you know, they see the word kava on the menu or they see, you know, these these words on menus that they recognize from across town. They're like, oh, like I put a drink in front of them or my boys put a drink in front of them. And they're like, wow, this is this is a really nice representation of a sour. You know, I have a Montiato sour with Orgeat, you know, tons mm-hmm. of Angostura bitters. You know, just it looks like a cocktail. It's in the proper glassware. It's in the... The setting, you know, the bar is set up the way that your bar would be set up, Damon. Um, but everything else is just taken down a real yeah, hard yeah. notch. And that helps people not only be comfortable with the sherries and the removes that they might not be familiar with, but it's also keeping them going. You know, if someone can come down and put down the entire menu yeah. and be fine. Because I like doing that. I yeah. like to put down the whole menu. <laughs> but also, like, even, I mean, to, to kind of, like, piggyback on what you're saying, like, even, like, the way... The Spanish style of eating, like small and like mm-hmm. throughout the day, yeah. It like as opposed to going out and just like just getting destroyed by food over a few hours. Yeah. Like I hate that. Or, I hate the way I feel. Or even not even over a few hours. If you go to if you go to a steakhouse or a place that has like a really yeah. great meat program and you drill down like a thirty two ounce ribeye, lights out. Like, yeah, it's a hammer drop, and you are lights out after that. Like there's. That's an event that you plan for, and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to go do that, and then that's the fuck it. Yeah. Like, you know, that's that's not even – that's not enjoyable to me. It's, you know? it, it's like an, an occasional thing for me. Like, I, I like to go out and eat big, but I'd, I'd rather, yeah. like I'd, like you said, link it in the conversation. And, and I think I think it's really totally right on with the, the drinks, too, because, like, mm-hmm. like you were saying, we can't just, like, house a bunch of Rittenhouse, like – like we used to. Yeah. This is not a sustainable bottle, my friend. <laughs> um, but this is, you know, um, small beers, you know, which are great. They stay cold to the very bottom. You know, you're enjoying that. You know, uh, low ABV spirits, um, using more focus on the TV and TV sort of things that we've all been doing for the last couple of years, which is great. Um, but focusing and basing things around that so that you, you know, you're, fo- you're, you're, putting things to the forefront that maybe were not socially widely accepted. You know, you know, you go to some, some emerging markets and they're first getting, they're getting their first hands on certain Amari and certain other things. And that's awesome to see, you know, the conversation really is changing in this country and it's, it, I think it's heading in a really nice direction. It is. It's a really, I always say it's a the most exciting time in, in, uh, in our industry, mm-hmm. you know, and there's just so much stuff coming out. Like, so many amazing products, so much more education on mm-hmm. those products. Yeah, absolutely. Information is uh, so readily available at this yeah. point. There's no reason that you, you should be, be stuck to, in the dark ages. Yeah. You, know? you used to not be able to find any information about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you've got like seminars and like Manhattan Cocktail Classic and Tales of the Cocktail, and, you know, Portland Cocktail Week. You've got all these amazing, yeah, these uh, amazing just resources. And, you know, Don Lee told me one time, he was like, you know, information should be free. And I was like, dude, yeah. And he, he gave me a, a list of every spirit's density in order so I could build booze cafes, you know? <laughs> That's um, fucking brilliant. Yeah, totally awesome. awesome. Um, one thing, like, what? first of all, what are we drinking here? Um, you know, we're we're going with 
a nice bottle of Oloroso that I actually picked up from your local right around the corner. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and again, like, hey, where I mean, I, I mean, I'm from Manhattan, so I don't really get out here so much and see what's what's hopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm in an industrial section of a neighborhood that used to be not that great. And I can walk into a liquor store and see a really sexy bottle of Oloroso being stocked with confidence. And I asked the, the girl at the counter, like, hey, can I get a bottle of sherry? You guys have that? And they're like, oh, yeah, come here. Just like right over there. I'm like, awesome. Nice. That's so great. So, um, yeah, we're drinking a, just a really nice, you know, not super high ABV Oloroso, you know, because mm-hmm. we are going to drink this whole bottle right now. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's going to be Fair good. enough. I'm, I, challenge accepted. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, this actually, this Oloroso that we're having is like, it's a little bit richer than what I'm used to, you mm-hmm. know, because I guess because of the ABV is slower. Maybe it's not as, it's not as like bright and sharp and like, you it's, know. It's definitely not as concentrated. Um, like when you start getting up to the higher ABVs, um, I also this particular bodega um, is uh, it's re- it's the way that their process works. Like for their Olorosos, it's not straight. Like they do add a little bit. Um, oh, okay. To, I mean, yes, the fortification of the neutral grape spirit, but this one in particular, they also will blend just a little bit. So there is going to be a little bit of a sweeter sherry blended into the Solarosa, which is great. It's fine. It's nice. Cool. You yeah. know, it's not your super, super dry, you know, like on the scale of the oxidatively aged wines, Oloroso is the driest. This one, they're going to cheat a little bit, but it's great. You yeah. know, I like it. This, I, I love it. You know, I, it wasn't long ago that when you talked about sherry, it was always like a really shitty sherry that was just thrown in whatever you were cooking you know or it's, hanging out in your grandma's liquor cabinet. Oh, exactly exactly it's amazing how that's all changed and i mean well we do have we do actually have to thank the, the culinary world for you know jump-starting what we've got going on these days do you get to experiment with the the kitchen absolutely at- i have a i have a wonderful relationship with our with our chef partner um he and i when we were first crafting the menu now this is going back two years where for what eventually became denostia he did his food lab and I, as i was working around the drinks excuse me and what the list was going to look like and i saw what he was doing and just took a, took a second step back and just followed suit you know started seeing what he, what products he was using and then did a ton of research on how those things are really existing in spain and in denostia uh, proper and okay, so if that's going to be a heavy part of the menu, so what do I have to do to complement that? And that's something that uh, Chef and I are, are working towards for, for future projects is, you know, like everyone, well, to jump off for a second, like cocktail pairing with dinner, that's really hard to do. You mm-hmm. don't want that amount of alcohol to, to, to go with food. You know, it's hard to have a stirred and boozy cocktail with a, with a, a, a dish. Um, but this, these ingredients harmoniously go together just by law by rule um you know they always say like what grows together goes together but like Mm -hmm. if you're in the region and you're like eating anchovies and you're eating all the good cured meats and the conservas that's all they drink is sherry so being able to create menus and things like that based around these ingredients it works perfectly you know you can have any one of the cocktails on the menu at denostia um with any item of the food, as long as it, it makes sense, just because, like, if it goes together, you know, it, it's perfect. It's Great. really nice. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we get back, we'll continue talking Sherry with Will Pete back in just a moment. 
1996, Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. And we are back. You're looking. You're listening to the Speakeasy, and we have Will Pete in the well, studio. Th- those people are looking at us. You're listening, <laughs> you're looking at the Speakeasy. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of funny when you're in the studio because there are people like you know, I hear Roberta's like eating pizza, and they keep like looking in to see what's going on. We're like, "Yep, sorry guys, cheers. <laughs> We've got all the sherry in here." Um, so before the break, we talked a little bit about um, the difference. Uh, well, a little bit about like you know, using some of the different ingredients. Uh, from the kitchen and pairing those into cocktails and with the food and um, you know like sherry's like I mean I think we should talk a little bit about sherry like uh, the different denominations for and like the different styles for like can you mind touching on that just for a couple minutes of course not um, because I, I know that there's like we've got like fire there's away. a whole spectrum you know from like really really dry fino to like uh, you know very Inky black sweet amontillado yeah, or uh, yeah. Peter Jimenez yeah, yeah. Um, well to your point where the the sherry of the past uh, or what Americans believe the sherry of the past and what their history growing up with it is um, especially nowadays is that crap bottle of Harvey's Bristol cream not to <laughs> not, not to knock the brand but it's very recognizable um, that was sitting in grandma's thing and you raid the liquor cabinet when you were a teenager and you're like oh what the hell is this crap um, but the world of sherry is so much bigger you know 90% of the sherries in the world are the driest wines in the world, you know, uh, take something very specific, like, uh, like a, the most easily, I won't name it, but the most easily recognizable Fino in the region, uh, you know, the green bottle with the Mm -hmm. little red man with the hat and the guitar, Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's blasted all over everywhere. Um, they make, uh, last year they made 22,000 casks. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of that one producer's Fino. Now multiply that by all the bodegas and, like in the region and out of the region. I mean, there's a, there's a, a town called Maria uh, Montia Mariles that makes sherry like wine. It's the exact same process, but they're just not in the DO. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, all champagne is right. Sparkling yeah. wine. Yeah. That, that whole thing. Um, yeah. They're the majority of the sherry in the world is dry sherry. Um, starting with the Fino's um, Fino is hundred percent biologically aged. Um, so that's going to be aged 
in barrels underneath a protective layer of active yeast called floor. And if you're familiar, this is like the bedrock of the entire thing. You know, floor is going to insulate the sherry from from oxygen, from the wood, very specifically, very specifically wood, um, so that you're not getting the vanillins, you're not getting any of the wood tannins. Um, so you're looking at like slight, depending on how you're bottling and filtering, but like slight amber hue could be crystal clear, depending on what you're doing with it, of course. Um, but it's going to be pulled from the barrels still underneath that floor, so you're never going to get it all fucked up by oxygen and outside things. It's just the wine, um, and that's going to create super, super dry wines. Um, so Fino is going to be made primarily in the two two of the three towns in the Sherry Triangle, uh, El Puerto de Santa Maria and Jerez del Frontera. The third um, point on that on that uh, triangle is San Lucar de Barrameda in the, I, I don't want to say the northwest because it's still... Yeah, I guess the northwest of the triangle. Um, they recognize that style of wine or that particular wine as Manzanilla. So anytime you see Manzanilla or Fino, they're the exact same thing, just aged, just produced and aged in different places, which is cool. Um, from there, when you have your your Finos or Manzanillas, that floor is an active layer of yeast. At some point, the yeast is going to eat all the sugar that's in the that's in the wine, and it's going to begin to die off. It's a natural part of life, you know. Um, but as that floor begins to wane and begins to die off, you're starting to head to that wine's higher plane of entropy, if you will, which is Amontillado. And when the floor naturally dies, then you have that. Um, and that's awesome. Uh, you're going to see longer aging because once that floor dies and then the air is getting into the wine and the wood tannins and the vanillins and all that good, the barrel itself, mm-hmm. like, you know, those coopers, those barrels have been used for hundreds of years. So yeah. you're going to get a lot of cool shit from that. Um, so they will typically let that wine keep going and keep going. And you have some of the most amazing Amontillados. I, I tasted one the other day that was bottled last year and we just received it now. Um, that's a 47, 45 to 47 year age, average age Amontillado. That wow. is just blowing my shit right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Gonzales Bias Cuatro Palmas, which is just nuts. It comes from a, a single cat. It's a single cask bottling from one of four barrels that's left of this wine. Wow. Uh, so they're bottling at an average age between 45 and 47 years. And it's, uh, they, they call it the Solera Museo. It's like, it's the pride and joy. It's, it's nuts. Um, the Cuatro Palmas, um, you know, uh, other styles of sherry. I mean, if the floor were to die or if the floor were to be acting erratically in any way, um, and it think, you think it's going to die a little bit. Um, this is where the winemaker's hand really starts coming into wine. That's the, the Polo Everyone, no one really knows what the classification Polo <laughs> is. Um, how do you make it? What designates that? It's really the existential wine. Um, but what they'll do is they'll, they'll pull certain barrels that are showing very nicely or that are of exceptional quality. And they will, you know, fortify immediately to kill the, the floor and then let that just do its thing in its own Solera. It's really awesome. Um, if you, that's why the, the wines tend to be of a higher price point because there's a lot more care that goes into them. They are of a higher quality juice to begin with. Um, so look for those when you see them. Um, that's going to take you to the top of the, the biologically aged or wines that have been biologically aged. The other half of the wines that are created in the region um, are purely 100% oxidatively aged. So when the wine goes into the barrels after it's been you know designated in the proper way, um, they kill the floor immediately and just fortify fortify it to a proof that it can't sustain itself. You know, you're looking above 17, 17, five. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way that wine is destined to become something like the one we have in our glass in front of us where it's just let, let it go. Let, let's go in the Solera. Let's get all that oxygen. Let it start to get funky and age. Um, these wines actually are going to be, you tend to 
drink them more with dinner. I mean, this is steak wine, dude. It really is, man. It, it is. You know, whereas the Finos, those crisp, dry, some of those wines are so sessionable. Like, you know, I take a bottle of me to the beach and you drill it on the beach and like you get another one and you're looking at you know really really low alcohol 13 14 so you can just keep going with that stuff they're meant to be drank like the salinity the the citrus notes like all the that yeasty bread stuff i mean you want anchovies on toast perfect yeah. you know something like this that's got some legs on it, it's got some meat on its bones you know you want to have it with a steak you want to have it with game you want to you want to substitute this for your red wine. And that's something that we do a lot at, at Denostia is, you know, someone's like, Oh, I'm looking for a red. I really like Tempranillo, like Rioja stuff. I'm like, well, there is another option. And then we talk it out. And a lot of times we're, we're moving full seven fifties in place of their bottles of wine. And that's, that's so awesome. oh, it's doing God's work, man. It really is. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> the first time I ever had like ordered a bottle, a full bottle of sherry at, uh, I can't remember where it was, but it was about four years ago, and uh, it was like, yeah, three or four years ago, and uh, I was with a group, uh, four people, and um, it was, it came up, and I was like, uh, what are we going to drink? And then someone ordered a whole bottle of sherry, and I was like, what? You can do that? (laughs) Yes, my friend. Blew my mind. You can do that. It's... And it's happened many times since (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, oh, you have 750s. That's great for for a larger group, unless you want to get after it. But a lot of these sherries, especially the younger ones, especially the drier ones like the Finos, things that haven't been uh, aged oxidatively at all, like those Finos, you got like a, a very small shelf life on those when you when you pop those new bottles. So you get a three seventy five. Right. I'll drink that with a straw, please. Yeah, you know it's got it's open now. It's got to go now. So let's yeah. do it. Um, but back to not to get off the point, we're only we're almost there. Um, you know, when, when you start getting into the sweeter realm of sherries, that's when you start to introduce other grapes. All these wines that we've been talking about are already like they're mostly Palomino, and that's a grape that grows really nicely in the region of Jerez. Um, in the Canary Islands, it's actually called Listan Blanco, uh, which is awesome. Uh, just the same wine being just produced differently and aged differently, grown different soil. Um, but the other grapes that you're going to see sherry being made from Moscatel. Not so widely planted, but it makes a really, really nice, intense wine. Um, that's when you start to see the, the the sugar index come up. You start to see the, the raisinated qualities really start coming through. There's a really cool producer that I like in Chipiona um, that not only fortifies their wine with with neutral grape alcohol like they all do, but also takes his Moscatel and hits it with something called Arope, which is a like a sweetened it's a reduced like wine must vinegar and we use that a lot in the kitchen and it's like this like syrupy inky sweet as all fucking hell um (laughs) substance but it definitely has that like acid about it it has like that it used to be vinegar like that you know a lot of these wines you look at the the wines that were aged under floor it's like a faded polaroid picture you can you can see that imprint of the the yeast right. with this arope stuff you can see where it used to be this wine must uh derive vinegar and then they just cook it the hell down and he puts that into his wine too so it turns this wine the the mouthfeel on it's crazy um nice. next time you come by i'll bring you some of that okay, um sweet. and then of course you're going to get into cream sherries which are a blend of pedro jimenez with other grapes you know you have your pale cream which is blended with fino and you have your true cream which is uh bend, blended with amontillado so you you're having a sweet wine you know the pedro jimenez is the base and then you're going to blend it with something else so that 
you know, I could just try it out a little bit. Um, there's a f- couple great expressions on the market right now, a lot actually. And then Pedro Jimenez is that one that everyone's like, ah, oh, sherry's a sweet thing. Sherry, oh, right. I can't do it. It's too sweet. These, these sweeter wines sometimes are really nice and appropriate, but that's like the ink black net, like night black wines um, that have the higher sugar index. They are super sweet. Pedro Jimenez, I mean, they, they take the grapes and they raisinate them first, the same way you do with Amarone style wines, to concentrate those sugars before you press. So you're already starting out with that. Yeah. And then there's all that sugar, you know, and so the alcohol it's, just goes I, I sky high. That. It's so great to use in cocktails, too. Like, mm-hmm. doing it like an old-fashioned, instead of using like sugar or simple syrup, yeah. using that, especially if it's like a brandy old-fashioned. Oh, dude. It's so good. It's grapes on grapes on grapes. Grapes on like, grapes on grapes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're not only... Um, you know, stacking your ingredients in that in that certain way, but you're just getting so much depth of flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, like replacing accent sweeteners with sherries is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, so awesome, absolutely, absolutely, really great, man. Um, we didn't even we haven't even gotten a chance to talk about uh, cider yet. <laughs> next time <laughs> we're gonna have to do that next, next time. time. You know yeah. what? I got a I I got a friend of mine that we can bring in here and we can all wrap together, and that would be cool. pretty cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So Denostia. It's on Tenth and Avenue B. B. Yeah, right. Just on the uh, on the southeast side, dude. I can't wait to come in and talk cherry with you. It's Please do, man. Your wealth of information and uh, just a gentleman to boot, and I can't wait to. I I still haven't been there since like I went there like once when it opened. Yeah, and it's, it's been it's been, been a while like, since then, and I don't know why. I I know why because I. I'm a Brooklyn boy, and I, <laughs> I don't get out much. <laughs> yeah. But I cannot wait to come and check it out and check you out there. Um, Will Pete, thanks so much for bringing the sherry on the show. And I, I see Jack's looking through the window, and he's he wants a glass, too. So we should wrap oh, it yeah, up. Oh, yeah, let's so do that. One. we still got some wine left. <laughs> all uh, right, but no, cool. Damon, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. You know, yeah. I listen to your show a lot and see all my friends go on and talk about topics that they love and talk about things that you guys are all interested in. And it was it's a real pleasure and honor for me to come in and, and talk shit about something like this you know it's awesome <laughs> well cheers to that cheers to you cheers, Salut. cheers my friend that's it for the speakeasy this week check in the heritage radio for many many more programs just like this one thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 